Hey, Edith. Yeah? What is one of the longest living species of beetle? I don't know. Paul McCartney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Paul McCartney to you. Uh, good point. Uh-huh. Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners in Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening is becoming very popular. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down Tulips Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Hello gardeners and wannabe gardeners. What was 101 today? So we can be forgiven for not making any sense, right? Yes, it's been hot. I've gathered myself together. I'm ready to go. How are you? Edith, I'm going out in the world. Out in the world? I have gone to a restaurant with my handsome and handy husband. Oh. I went to see a play with other people. Okay. I'm going to the store. Well, that's very good. It's, It's like you're a human being living in a city. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was on an airplane. Oh, adventuresome. So, well, I, what else is next? You know, should we'll I see. should I get on a spaceship with Jeff Bezos? Oh, I'm so glad you said that. You'll find out why in a minute. Um, Sure, go on, go on the spaceship. <laughs> sure. Hey, this is episode 49. 49. 49, folks. That's like a little short of a year somehow. I always think of 49, and whenever I hear that number, it always hits me a little bit. I think of the 49ers. I think of football. Oh, I think of my mother. And she died when she was 49, oh, which is so young. So and I young. just always think that number just, whenever I think about it, actually, I think of my mom, which actually is a good thing. It makes me feel happy to think about my mom. Oh, well, that's good. And that, you know what that means next week is, Edith? What? Next week's number 50. Okay. <laughs> You were going to say something sad about your mom. I was all tense. Oh, oh, no. oh okay. <laughs> okay. Number 50. Okay. <laughs> okay. Number 50 will be our one-year anniversary of doing Upside Down Tulips together. I honestly together. never thought we'd make it this far. Or yeah, at least I know I you didn't. Think I, I didn't think we'd make it to three weeks. I'm yeah, like, I yeah, I'm going to get tired of this real quick. <laughs> we're going to get nobody to listen. And who would have thought? Not me. Yeah, not amazing. Me. It's exciting. It is. So. Um, we need to decide what we're going to do for our anniversary special. Okay, right now? Do you have to decide right now? No, we don't. Folks will just have to tune in next week to find out. Oh, right. Okay, good. Christy, do you know, you know how I love observances? Yes. Observances. Do you know that July 10th is National Clarihue Day? Is this the poet? Yes. It is. How did you know? I was an English minor. Theater major, English minor. A combination that makes every parent proud. Oh, I'll bet. And really, <laughs> what are you going to op- do with that? The opportunities for employment, <laughs> endless. That's right. Well, in honor of um, Clarihue Day, I um, I wrote a couple of Clarihues. Do you well, wanna- can you explain what they are first? Or- I probably okay. should. Okay. Um they are whimsical four-line biographical poems. So they're just four lines. And they usually start with somebody, somebody's they, name in it, right? Somebody in there, yeah, it has to be. So I wrote one. Jeff Bezos is so stinking rich. 
yet he has an unsatisfied itch. So he'll fly himself to the stars and looks down at us from afar. That is so freaky that I mentioned him earlier. It is so freaky. And here's the other thing you mentioned that I have. I wrote two. Okay. Okay. Oh, that darn Japanese beetle. I wish for a poisoned needle. I'd poke it to pieces until it deceases. I'm very excited about this week's topic, Edith. And that's because coming up later on, we're going to talk about the Japanese, Japanese beetle. beetle. And I wrote a clairahu for it. And when's the date? It's coming up. You said that's July 10th. July 10th. July 10th. Yeah. So folks, write your own Clara Who poem to celebrate. Yeah, send it to us. They're easy. They're only four lines long. So Edith, we should do a shout out to our garden party. Hey. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what you meant. Is that's it? pretty good. Hey. Let's thank <laughs> Kathleen C. You know who you are out there, Kathleen. And we thank you for being a member of our garden party. And that means that Kathleen throws a couple bucks a month our way to help support the podcast so we can keep sharing our garden successes and failures and our bad jokes with you. To be specific, she throws a couple to a few. A couple to a few, right? That's right. She's very generous. Yeah. And she gets some seeds from our garden And if you folks want to become a member of our garden party, you just click on the link in the show notes down below or go to our website at UpsideDownTulips.com and you can learn how to become a patron, a supporter of Upside Down Tulips and you'll get fun rewards. And our reward will be that you did that and it's we're a year old and we will be so happy. Yeah? Yeah. So Edith. Yes. How's your garden going? Well, uh, it's, it's going good, you know, um. So um, I have been cutting, now my tomatoes are a pretty good size, and I've been cutting the lower leaves so that nothing touches the soil, you know, because that's a way to transmit fungus and everything. So I've been cutting that, and I've actually been cutting a couple of secondary leaves, and my peas are almost done. And I learned something new. Rather, you know, as you know, peas and beans add nitrogen to the soil, right? What I didn't know was, instead of pulling them out, if you snip them off and leave the root in the ground, it feeds the microorganisms in the soil. Oh, that's so smart. I never knew that. I found that out today. I wonder if it also continues to aerate the soil. I think it must. And also, I brought you some peas. Oh, are you kind. I brought you peas because I know that you um, pulled out your one lousy, I mean measly, I mean poor lonely pea. Yes, by accident. By accident. Oh, gonna, thank can you. Can I toss this? And yay. Thank you so much. They look beautiful. I pretty much eat peas raw. I didn't give you enough to cook anything because, you know, it's the end time for peas. But I just eat them <laughs> raw anyway, you know. <laughs> the Armageddon of peas. The, yeah, they're having their little Armageddon. They're getting all dry and that stuff. That is so nice of you. So when, when you cut them off at the root, you can also either leave the plant on the ground as mulch or you can put it in the compost um i've been watering a lot you know i planted a row of beans last week oh thank goodness only one came up so i got to replant (laughs) i don't know what happened there beans can be weird like that can't they you're sort of like it's like if if you like to gamble folks you should grow beans because you never know which is going to come up and then you could put money down on what what, which ones you're going to think are going to come up and you can have fun yeah 
um, that's kind of uh, everything is everything is going apace. We, we're seeing fruits everywhere. Um, I think I made a couple more mistakes. I thought I had a yellow squash, but I didn't. It's I think a cucumber, which means I believe, Christy, I believe I have seven cucumber plants. Why? Time I, to pickle. I, you know, I guess <laughs> you know I panicked. And I got some extra plants because one of my, because remember, all the ones I thought were cucumbers were really spaghetti squash. So yes. I panicked. So there'll be cucumbers for, for everyone in the city this year. That can, that'll go nicely with your 150 heads of lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> How's your lettuce doing? Uh, it's all gone to seed and I'm letting it go to seed so that next year I can have the same exact volunteer lettuce everywhere. In theory, though, wouldn't you get even more volunteer lettuce? You yes. better be careful. Yes, I would. You're right. Some of it I'm going to take. I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pull the whole plant out, put it in a paper bag upside down, and let, so the seeds will go right into the paper bag. I will do that. In case anybody out there, any of our listeners, wants any of these wonderful Marvel of Four Seasons lettuce, my favorite lettuce ever. They'll have just have to join the garden party yes. to get some seeds. And, you know, I do that with my poppy seeds too, Edith. When I cut off the stalks after they've been, that they're all brown, I just turn them upside down in a paper bag and let gravity take mm-hmm. over. And let them take their good old sweet time and not spreading their seeds out if, if you don't want them to. And, yeah, this way I'll have a lot for, you know, our patrons. <laughs> How's your garden, Christy? There is so much happening. First of all, on the flower front, Edith, Yes, I cannot believe how much is in bloom right now. I don't recall an early July like this that everything is just looking so great. My roses are still in bloom. So I have a whole other one, a whole new other bush that is is beautifully a climber. My daisies are in bloom. They're so happy bright and sunny with their white petals and their little yellow insides. My echinacea started blooming. My Mexican hat is in bloom. Oh, I didn't see that, but I love those flowers. My lavender now is in full bloom. It looks great. I have black-eyed Susan in bloom. And a couple weeks ago, you know, we talked about vines. We talked about my trumpet vine. And now that is in full bloom it is all over my yard, all this beautiful orange trumpet flower. It looks incredible. My scarlet runner bean is blooming. Uh, my hollyhocks, which I had pretty much given up on growing hollyhocks in mm-hmm. the Denver metro area. I would put them in one place and they just would look terrible. I'd grow them in another place. They would look terrible. I just never thought we were getting enough water. Mm-hmm. We've had so much rain this spring and early summer, that my hollyhocks are looking incredible. I have three hollyhocks. They look good, too. They, they do. They look good. Better than they ever have. Very pretty. Um, so, of course, I'm doing a lot of deadheading. It's a great time of year to do that, yeah. is to cut back those spring perennials. Uh, on the veggie front, well, you know this was coming regarding my Roma tomato plant. It's gone. Is it gone? Cindy Brady, that was her name. Yeah, she went in the garbage. I just couldn't risk it getting my other plants with that fungal disease. Uh-huh. And she it was it was just clearly evident that nothing was going to happen with that plant. Yeah. And it's hard for me to do that though. It's hard for me to thin plants, it's hard for me to throw plants away. Um I like giving away plants just for that very reason. But I did it. I put her in the garbage. 
Um, and I was doing what you were recommending last week, Edith, which was carefully taking my tomato plants and making sure that the branches are moved inside the cage to help the tomato grow up inside the cage so it doesn't fall all on the ground that tomatoes need a little help. And we were lamenting last week about, and it really sucks when you're bending one back in and maybe you waited too long and then it breaks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I broke a tomato oh, branch. Oh, <laughs> I hated it. I went, ah! Even as I'm doing it, I'm just remembering what we had just talked about, and there you go. And I also cut back the lower leaves of my tomatoes. You know, I got some of those little yellow leaves on the bottom, which can happen. Mm-hmm. And that's a normal thing that can happen with tomatoes, folks. You just need to start chasing them and cutting them off. It's not the end of the world with a tomato plant when you no. get the little yellow mm-hmm. leaves on the bottom. So I cut those off just like you did. Um, my beans are flowering. My cabbage is almost ready. In fact, I'm going to start, wow. I think I'm going to start harvesting some wow. this week. Because my danger is, is that I wait till it gets to be like a big head of cabbage in the yeah. grocery store. Yeah. And they're going to be smaller when you grow them, usually in your own garden, because you're growing them for flavor. Yes. And the grocery store buys them for size. Yeah, because they charge by the pound. Yeah. yeah. And so you said you you had a, a cucumber plant that you thought was a squash, a summer squash. It was a squash that I thought was a cucumber. Okay. Well, I was out in my garden, and here's what... The the mystery that I have in my garden right now. So I have summer squash on one side. It's blooming. Baby squashes are coming. On the other side of my garden, I have a zucchini plant. I always put them on opposite sides of the garden so they don't cross-pollinate and you get this weird thing. However, I'm looking at at my zucchini plant, which has bloomed, and it's getting little fruits in it. And I think one of two things. Either that's not a zucchini plant, and that's another summer squash. And if that's the case, I'm going to be royally upset. Do you upset. mean winter squash? Do you mean like a spaghetti squash? Another spaghetti squash? No, it's another summer squash. Oh, like another yellow one. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So I'm worried that it's a summer that it's a summer oh. squash. And somehow I got my seeds messed up. And I'm going to be royally peeved. Because would that mean, Edith, I could be having the whole summer without any zucchini? No, it wouldn't because that would be no. I will bring you zucchini if that's the case. <laughs> I have like five little ones. One of them is actually mm, what is that? Three inches long. So I'm going to have yeah. zucchini next week. Or the other case is that my zucchini has cross pollinated with the summer squash. Yeah. Mm. And, and maybe we'll just see what happens because that could just be that just on a case by case basis. It just yeah. it's just the bees um, getting confused. So I hope I have zucchini. In fact, I'm even tempted to plant some more zucchini because I read that zucchini can start flowering in three weeks. You know what? It's a really good time to plant. If you want another zucchini plant, plant it tomorrow. Can you believe that? I just can't live my life. Yeah. I've had a zucchini plant for 20 years. And it's fun to complain about it in the summer because there's too many. So do definitely do that. Plant it tomorrow. Well, you come afterwards, come look at it with me. Okay. Um, Because August 8th is National... Put a zucchini in your neighbor's porch day, and I want to celebrate that. You have to. Yeah. You have to, Christy. Okay. Well, folks, if you ever hear words or terms you're not familiar with, or you want a good laugh, check out the Upside Down Dictionary on our website at UpsideDownTulips.com. Or you can click on the link in our show notes. We've got blogs there. And while you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter for updates and funny garden signs. 
Maybe you want to see pictures of our gardens. Hi. I'm glad you joined us here. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just mourning your lack of zucchini. We'll take pictures of your no zucchini garden. If you want to see those things, inspirations, gardening jokes, etc., visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And don't forget, hey, we have a YouTube channel. And now we have a brand new handcrafted pot play just for gardeners. Linda, come in, Linda. It's Darla of Neighborhood Watch. Can you hear me, Linda? Affirmative, Darla. Do you have eyes on him? Oh, ten four, little buddy. And as I suspected, our new neighbor is... Oh, Tone Baritone, the New Jersey gangster that I was on Jeopardy with. Over. Do I hear a wood chipper? Over? Yes, and maybe not so coincidentally. No one's seen our awful neighbor McDougal in days. Over. Are you well hidden, Darla? Over? Copy that, Linda. I'm in the middle of the huckleberry bush. I'm in the kitchen window, and I see you now, Darla. Good cover. Over. And I also see that he has these huge bins, like you see in crime shows, where they put acid in, you know, to do who knows what. Over. Oh, my God. That's just frightening. Wait a minute. The noise stopped. Do you still have eyes on him? Of course. I... No, oh, I don't. I don't know where he went. Uh-oh, over. What? Oh, he's right behind me, isn't he? Over. Yes. I'll be there in a flash with reinforcements. Linda, out. Oh, don't leave me alone. Why are you hiding in this huckleberry bush? Oh, I'm not hiding. I'm just... Picking huckleberries, they're the ones that are deep inside the bush. You know what they say, uh, the deeper in the bush, the sweeter the berry. Hey, I know you. You're Darla. We were contestants on Jeopardy together. No, 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 I'm not. No, we weren't. No, yeah, remember with the Ken Jennings and Joe Bud? Oh, if you say so, Tone. Tone, so you do know me. Oh, what a faux pas. Not fatal, I hope. Will it be fatal? Will Linda come with reinforcements in time? Keep listening, folks, for the conclusion of Darla and Linda. Neighborhood Watch. So will Tone behead Darla and throw her in the East River? (laughs) We have another pot play coming up and you'll find out. Hey, maybe we should become a true crime garden podcast. Oh, that's a great idea. (laughs) I love true crime. (laughs) All right, Edith, let's talk about Popelia japonica. Let's do it. Otherwise known as? Such a scientist. Japanese beetle. Japanese beetles. You know, Edith, that beetles have been around for 230 million years when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Wow. That's impressive. So it's a big task we have ahead of us. (laughs) Yes, so really, don't expect to get rid of them in a week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to win. Yeah. Well, a Japanese beetle is actually a little beetle. It's only like maybe about a half an inch big. And it's kind of pretty. I Okay, I think they are beautiful. They could be in a necklace. They could, or some uh, like a pin, like yeah. a brooch. Yeah. They have a really pretty green 
head, mm-hmm. metallic sheen, and their backs that cover up their wings as a copper. And they look like the, yeah, they look metallic. They look like expensive little cars. Don't they? <laughs> they do. They really do. <laughs> Why did Volkswagen never paint their Volkswagen bugs oh. those colors? That would have been brilliant. And what then a great idea. They had those little white spots, uh, too, on their back legs, so you could put little white dots on the fenders. Christy, I love that idea. And that's how Edith and Christy became car manufacturers. With ma- making billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the beetle is very pretty. I think when they're a larvae or a grub, they're really gross. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're like an inch long, and they have a brown head. And Most like a, grub. Even the name is gross. Grub. Yeah, Most grubby. Are, yeah, grub. How are you feeling? Grubby. Yes, exactly. And they are about an inch long, and they're about C-shaped. They first came to the United States in 1916, allegedly hidden in a shipment of iris bulbs from Japan. Mm-hmm. And it was a nursery near Riverton, New Jersey, that discovered them. My, my. But they were probably here before that. That's just when they just started. Yeah, we, they have no idea. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knows anything, really. They were first found in our neck of the woods in the Denver metro area between 1995 and 2005. Well, the first one I saw was about, uh, and I saw a bunch of them at one time. It was approximately eight years ago down in the DU area. Oh, okay. I had not seen one since, since my childhood in the East Coast. They were all over. You know, I wonder, Christy, do you think they're going to go past the Rocky Mountains? Yes, I think they already have. They have? They have, they have, a couple years ago, they saw them in Wyoming. No, across the Rocky Mountains west. Oh. Because how do you get across the Rocky Mountains if you need to lay down in the dirt? But they they hitchhike on things. How did one get from Japan all the way over here? Of course. Yeah. But it's going to go all the way through the United States. In fact, it's even in other parts of the world. It's in Russia. It's in China. And in 2017, they discovered it in Italy. Ooh, So it's in Europe. It's in Europe now. So it's just a matter of fact. Wow. So if you you live in the very western part of the United States, and you're thinking like, well, why do I need to listen to this episode about Japanese beetles? There's two things you can do, which is one, you can take note because they're coming. Yeah. Or two, you can just pop open um, a can of wine and, and, <laughs> and, and sit back and enjoy the fact that you don't have to deal with them. And yeah, You know, if your wine comes in a can, you are really a wino. <laughs> there are lovely wines in cans. There, of course, there are lovely Eden. wines. Of course, there are. So um, there's no evidence to suggest that Japanese beetles bite. But they can't pinch you. With their little mandibles, um, but usually they're too weak to hurt you or to damage human skin. So they really can't do anything wrong yeah, to you. It's no. just the the plants. Um, hey, let's talk about the life cycle of the Japanese beetle because I think that's pretty interesting. Okay. They start out as an egg, which nice. grows in the <laughs> egg like so many things do. And then they grow into a larva, go into a pupa. Is that how you say it, pupa? And then they're and then they're underground, right? They they overwinter in the ground, especially if you have grass. They love the grass. And then they come out, and you never see them coming out. Do you know what I read? I read that when it rained, they go back into the soil. I read that too. Do you ever see them out there? I yeah. don't. Do no. you? No. They're they like spend, little... and they spend ten months of their lives underground. 
Yeah. And then they come out and it's like they immediately start mating and eating. That's all they do. It's like cicadas in a way, isn't it? Except cicadas give us like, th- what, 36 years between? Yeah, or 17. Yeah. Or yeah. Seven- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're, every year. The, the, the problem is not that they're going to kill your plants. They don't actually kill them. Like they're all over my grapevines. They're not going to hurt the grapes. The problem is they're going to be exponentially more every single year if you don't do something. Mm-hmm. Right, Christy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's what the problem is. When, they, when the adults come up, they live for about 30 to 45 days on average, and they are mating, and they are hungry. Mm-hmm. And they will mate several times. So the female adult will mate, and then she'll lay four or five eggs. Then she'll mate again, and she'll lay more eggs, and then she'll mate again. So one female, Edith, can lay 40 to 60 eggs in one season. Oh, wow. And they deposit them in two inches of soil, and then the little larvae will go down and hibernate over the winter and come back. Have, how many have you seen in your garden? This year? Yeah. One. You only saw one? Yeah. Last year, now last year was the first year that I had Japanese beetles. Wow. And I, and it did some damage. And so I'm very, I was, I'm really interested in all the different ways to get around them. Mm-hmm. And I've, it's been interesting learning about them, that, be, that Japanese beetles love the sun. And they prefer to feed and mate on warm, sunny days. And they're always like my grapevines, they're always on the top. Yeah. They're easily seen. If they went inside the vine, I'd never see them. But that must be why they love, they're sunning up there. They're sunning, they're mating, they're eating. They're like Floridians, really. It, and it's interesting that even in colder climates, like my home state is Minnesota, they have Japanese beetles. Their cycle might be different there. They might be on a two-year cycle. Huh. The warmer it is, the more op- the more chances are, like here in Colorado where it's warmer, they'll have an annual cycle. And they can, the adults can fly five miles to ha- find a condition that they like. Wow. And some years are better than others, and their numbers can go up and down depending upon weather or diseases or parasites or whatever predators or the constant gardener, whatever they're doing. Well, let's talk about some of the reasons why these very pretty beetles are considered a pest. It's interesting that they're not a pest in Japan. Do you know why? In Japan, they have a parasite, and it is called a gregarine. The gregarine is a parasite that kills the Japanese beetle in its native surroundings in Japan and Korea. This form of control has been studied in the United States, but it has been, but it has been found largely ineffective because the adults can easily fly in and out of controlled areas. That makes total sense because Japan is an island. Makes total, complete sense. And we are 3,000 miles across. I've also heard this, too, that the birds eat the beetles in Japan. They don't seem to do that here, We Christy. need to start a training program. Yeah. To get the birds to start eating the beetles. It's like, where are the birds? The, I the, bet they're delicious. I bet they are delicious. <laughs> in fact, here, you want to know an interesting fact? The Japanese beetle is quite tasty, nutritious, and good to eat. For people, um, you are free to eat them to your heart's content because they're not poisonous or toxic in any way. You can eat them, Christy, at any stage of their life cycle. Grubs, pupa, and eggs. They're very high in protein content. 
In fact, the World Health Organization has estimated that insects such as the Japanese beetle could supply much of the world with its, with its needed protein content because it is plentiful and cheap. Well, there's only one way to find out. I'm not doing it. Let me get, hang on a no, second. Th- 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 not, not, not. Okay, <laughs> two questions, two questions. How do you find, how do you find, you're, you're insane. I don't have you're any. You're insane. How do you, you only had the one, okay, when you got him on ice. <laughs> so how do you find a Japanese beetle egg? It says here that you can eat the eggs. How do you find them? How small must they be? I've seen pictures of them. They look like the size of a grain of rice and they're kind of oval and they're white. They're white. Never mind then. Let's go get some yum. Yeah. Did you know that you can eat them? Now, here's where I draw the line. You know, I've eaten weird things. Goat eyeballs, beef brain. I've had fermented shark in Iceland. Okay. Um, but I will not eat a pupa. I will not eat a <laughs> Japanese. I draw the line right there at the pupa. They're disgusting Foot is down. Disgusting. No pupa. No pupa. Ever. And now the continuation of the story, the struggle between Darla and Tone. Oh, what a faux pas. Not fatal, I hope. What makes you think it's a fatality? I don't know. I'm just out here picking huckleberries. What you doing with binoculars and a walkie-talkie, then? Conversing with other berry pickers. (laughs) Nice. Very sociable. Yeah. And they know who you are, and they're coming with reinforcements. Oh, yeah? What are you chopping in the wood chipper tone, and what's melting in the bins? Glad you asked. Oh. Inspired by the information from Upside Down Tulips on Jeopardy, I moved away from the city and live out here now so I can garden. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's branches in the wood chipper. I'm making my own mulch. And in the compost bins, I'm melting food scraps that's going to turn into organic fertilizer for my garden. By the way, I had a little talk with uh, neighbor McDougal. And I told him I didn't appreciate his use of chemical pesticides. So he said he'd stop. Whatever it takes, I guess. <laughs> uh, have you seen him recently? Sure. He's in the kitchen having a beer. See him waving from the window? Oh, there he is. And here comes Linda. Maybe you get out of the huckleberry bush. Okay. Ow, 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 ow. Hi, I'm Linda from Neighborhood Watch. I just wanted to welcome you, Mr. Mm. You call me Tone. Tone. And I brought fresh veggies from my garden for you. And some zucchini bread. It looks like you need reinforcements after all this work. Good thinking, Linda. A baked goods destruction. Thank you. This is really nice. I'm going to be growing a garden, too. Come on in the house. Let's have a beer of five. <laughs> Gardening. What a great way to meet the neighbors. Okay, wait up. Oh, oh I, I'm coming. Oh, grow something, everybody. It solves all kinds of problems. <laughs> Darla out.
So I have a question. Yeah. You draw the line at pupa. Pupa. Yes. Pupa. Yes. But would you eat the regular beetle? You know, I might. You know, I might. Because one time, my neighbor from Columbia, the country, uh, brought me some deep fried grasshoppers. And I have to say, they're just like potato chips, but they don't have any potato in them. Well, it there's only delicious. one way to find out, Edith. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. So, um, what does a Japanese beetle do to your plants? It eats the inside of the leaves and turns them into little skeletons. Yeah, so the veins are still there. Kind of pretty in a really weird, weird way. Um, they're easy. They're, it's easy to see the damage. And they're not picky eaters. No. There are over 300 no. different plant varieties, including fruits, vegetables, ornamentals, native plants, and weeds. Yeah, they could they could be anywhere. That they will eat. Mm-hmm. But they have their favorites. They like roses. Oh, yes, they, they do. They love the roses. They love grapes. That's, yeah, that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. You have roses, I have grapes. Hibiscus, raspberries. Cosmos. Echinacea. I've never seen them on my, that's interesting, I've never seen I've them seen on I've seen them on the, mine. I, I mean on the raspberries. I've oh. never seen them on raspberries. They also like Virginia creeper. And in our area, Virginia creeper is an invasive climber, scrambler. But no matter, no matter how much they eat, you can't kill a Virginia creeper. You just can't. So it just looks like an ugly Virginia creeper. Exactly. And the only nice thing about yeah. a Virginia creeper is that at least you get those pretty colors in the fall. Yeah. But a Japanese beetle will wreck that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. And the grub will eat the sh- the shoots and the roots of lawns or crops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know that because it turns brown, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard they will not eat flocks, peony, iris, or daylily. So I guess there's always that going maybe. for us. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, but as you were saying before, they're rarely killed by them. Um, they will, but if you get a big enough infestation, you can really hurt your tree. I'll bet so. Yeah. yeah, I guess it does depend on the size because that's how they make chlorophyll. How are they going to if they don't have mm-hmm. the leaves? Yeah. yeah. Well, how do we get rid of them, Edith? There's no way. I'm sorry. There's <laughs> you have no way. I Christy, I have like ten ways we okay. could try. Christy, you, can I say what I tried this week in in preparation for this podcast? I made some garlic and onion organic spray because they hate the smell of garlic. Everybody says that. Every and I sprayed it over my entire vine, which is really long and big, and it was so hot. It did nothing. I, it, my property was smelled like an Italian restaurant. It was as full of beetles as it ever was. Be careful of spraying things when it's hot, though, Edith. Spray things in the early morning before it gets hot. Well, That'll I, help. I, none, none, nonetheless, it didn't help at all. Well, one of my favorite ways to talk about are the live traps that people love to say, hey, mm-hmm. you should get a live trap and trap mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And they do work because you will trap a lot of Japanese beetles. But you're attracting them as well. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Because they put they, yeah. they put off a smell. In There's fact, a pheromone. A pheromone. When they're eating your plants, they put that off so their friends and their buddies can come. And then they can mate some more. I mean... Yeah, it's like it's never ending. So the, put put the bag in your neighbor's yard. Yeah, down your neighbor down the street. Yes. Give them a gift saying, "I hear this works." Yes. And then they'll take yours away from you. Here's a fun thing I learned, which is the fruit cocktail trap. 
Mm. So mm-hmm. you open a can of fruit cocktail, mm-hmm. you let it sit in the sun for a week Yum. to ferment. Mm-hmm. Then you place it on a top of bricks or wood blocks in a light colored pail and fill the pail with water just below the top of the can. Place the pail about 25 feet away from the plants you want to protect. The beetles will head for the sweet bait, fall in the water, and drown. Huh. We could try that. We could certainly try that. <laughs> Here's another a very common way of doing it. It's called hand picking. That's what I do. Yeah, I did yeah. that last year too. Yeah. Um, now you'll notice when you touch a Japanese beetle, they do something kind of funny. Uh, they sort of um, flop on their backs and appear helpless. They sort of like play dead. So it's a, it can be a little tricky to pick them up. But if you have a cup of soapy water handy and then brush them yes. into the soapy water. More, more than a cup. Be, be like Have like a bucket that you can slip under the leaf and then mm-hmm. with a glove on your hand, you can like sweep them in there. That's what you do. Now, in the vegetable garden, I know there are people on the East Coast, you know what they do during Japanese beetle season? They what put a they? row cover down. Okay. And I think that's got to be tricky, though, because when you put a row cover down to protect your plants, you're also uh-huh. keeping pollinators out. I know. See, that's the thing. And that's the problem as well. That's the problem. Spraying with insecticides, mm-hmm. a lot of insecticides are highly toxic to bees. And the ones that are not, in fact, I have a list here, but I can't pronounce one single chemical maybe we'll post it on our website okay and there are some that are not that toxic to bees but apparently they don't really work so the bug you 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 have probably stuff about bug bug be gone you know i'm interested and it's called well there's two different kinds one is grub gone Mm -hmm. or beetle gone and so the grub gone of course is something you put on in late summer early spring to help get rid of the grubs and beetle gone you put on when the beetles are there right and that's organic and very expensive it's 80 dollars a bag um and i haven't tried it personally i know i know people who swear by it the other kind Hmm. according to uh, Dr. Crenshaw, the main entomologist mm-hmm. at CSU, um, it doesn't work. It's not worth it. So you're throwing 80 bucks away. You're just throwing 80 bucks away. And I don't know if that's region specific or what. Oh, that's a good point. You know, I don't yeah. know. But according to him, don't waste your money. The other brand I think to lift up for people is called Grub Be Gone and Beetle Be Gone. Mm-hmm. So the organic one is Grub Gone, Beetle Gone. And the, this other one I'm calling Grub Be Gone, Beetle Be Gone. Well, folks, that's a pesticide. Mm. And if you want to learn more about that, uh, you're free to go on Google about it yourselves. We prefer not to garden that way uh, because we care about the pollinators and the bees and the other animals that are around there. So we lean toward mm-hmm. more and our soil. organic ways. And our soil. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. What about milky spore? Remember we did a milky spore experiment last year? Last year I bought a box of milky spore at Amazon, which is a beneficial nematode. And I applied it in my yard and in Edith's yard. I have to say, I don't know. I mean, like I say, our friends and the and the specials are saying milky spore does not work. Though, uh, Betty Cahill, who I, I want to also give a shout out to Betty Cahill, who used to work at the Denver Post for so long and gave so much wonderful, great, uh, practical garden advice for the whole state of Colorado. Uh, she said to me, it's not known to work, but, you know, what the hey? 
Mm-hmm. It cost mm-hmm. me 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. I applied it in the in a, in a kind of a funky manner. It has, you have to apply it really low to the ground. Yes. Well, you don't. You only had the one beetle, so we'll see how your summer goes. Yeah, we'll see. You know, and you have a lot of lawn out front, so it would be amazing if that worked. It would be amazing. You can also use neem oil. Mm. Neem oil has been known. It's a good spray to put down. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a recipe I have. Here's you had your recipe for garlic mm-hmm. spray. It, yeah, it's posted on our website, but folks, it didn't work. Well, here's another one you can try. One teaspoon of liquid dishwashing detergent. We probably would recommend a Castile clean soap, wouldn't we, Edith? Mm-hmm, we would indeed. One cup of vegetable oil. Shake it up. Then you add one quart of water, and then you add a cup of rubbing alcohol, and shake it vigorously to emulsify. And you pour this into a spray bottle and use it at 10-day intervals in huh. the morning. Uh-huh. Do a test first because whenever you're using a homemade spray on your plants, you never know how they're going to react. And do it in, and do it in the morning. Also, what people swear by, in addition to all of that, is to take a bunch of your dead Japanese beetles. Yeah. And grind them up. Oh. In the blender. Oh, my God, no. Oh, jeez. And mix it oh, with some water and some clean Castile soap uh-huh. and spray that because the dead, they, it, it actually sends the opposite pheromone to the Japanese beetles. Yeah, and my grapes would taste like Japanese beetles. Ew, 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 ew. <laughs> but we don't know what they taste like. Oh, they're going to be awful. Well, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> thing that you can do is just accept that bugs are part of your garden what is that sign that you put up that was so great on our uh facebook page yeah if there well it's not it'll, it's our newsletter it's our and newsletter. if you want to get in our newsletter just sign up for it folks on our website it says if there are no bugs eating your plants you are not part of the ecosystem yes so look at it that way, folks. You're just a handy dandy part. Allow a little chewing. A little chewing. Yeah, a, lo- a little a bit. A little. Now, and have if you fun. have a lot, that's different. Have fun when you're knocking the things into buckets. Think when there's two of them and they're mating, it's a BOGO. It's like boom, and you get both at one shot. <laughs> have some fun. Christy, do you know what time it is? What time is it, Edith? <gasps> it's mailbag time. Ring, ring. Come in. Okay. <laughs> Christy me, always rings twice. Yes, she does. Like I'm, I'm opening the envelope. Ooh, listen to this. Living in a small village in Vermont with our property bordering the forest, we have all sorts of critters visiting. The biggest problem is with deer. We have tried putting up windsocks and pinwheels, used garlic clips. This morning I saw a deer chomping on a shrub just a few feet from our new electronic scarecrow. Lights flashing and siren wailing. He didn't budge. I even walked up the hill to a few yards away, yelling, and he finally sauntered back into the woods. Perhaps you could address the problem of critters in the garden on your podcast and see if anyone has proven solutions. Thanks again, your soil sister, Susan. I love Soil Sister. That's so cool. We got it. We got it. 
Susan, I hope you don't mind that we're going to start using that. That's, That's right. just too good. Hey, sister soil, sister, sister soil, sister. And it's all the way in Vermont. It's so far away from us. It's so exciting. So what advice Can, do we have for Susan about deer? Uh, deer. Get, a, um, get a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, or keep the deer and have the deer eat the Japanese beetles. Mm. Um. I don't know. We know we we have touched on this before in other episodes, and it's really hard to keep them away. Christy, what have you found? Well, I have read about a deer-activated sprinkler, and that might be different than what Susan has, which it looks like she has an electronic scarecrow that will flash lights and have sirens at it. But what a what a deer-activated sprinkler will do is that if the deer gets in the sight of the sprinkler then water will shoot it's water it's just water it's just water so he can open his mouth and have a drink <laughs> what he's <laughs> not the scared might, of a robot <laughs> but the water might be more startling that's just a suggestion that i have what about yeah. rain he'll think it's raining because he's startling <laughs> i don't think it's a it's a gentle sprinkle edith oh it's i think not it's gentle. i don't think it's like a you know one of those ones that just goes back oh. and forth and like a nice and lazy i think it's one of those ones that shoots water out now i'm understanding okay okay so maybe. i mean i could i could suggest that i i lived in an area that had a lot of trouble with deer you did and um yeah we couldn't feed the birds because they would get into the bird feeder it would nip the tops of all the um uh what are those plants that plants? are in the shade? Vegetables. Uh, hostas. hostas. That would get in all the hostas, you know. I've heard of people building cages to keep them out because really mm. it's so, so hard to keep them out. There are certain plants, though, that deer don't like. But what I, if you don't want to plant those? Who doesn't like iris? Everybody loves iris. What if you, don't, what if you want a potato? If you want a potato, you're not going to settle for an iris. But would, so deer like potato? I don't know. I was just making it. <laughs> so deer go out in the middle of the night with their little shovels and they dig up the potatoes. And then they go make tater tots and mashed potatoes with it and shepherd's pie. They might if their name is Bambi. <laughs> Maybe shepherd's pie not so much because that would be a little inappropriate. If oh, we, yes. Know. Oh, cannibalistic. Yeah. Christy, you got some weird food ideas this episode. Let me just say. You guys eating bugs and no. Mm-mm. Well, folks, send us your favorite gardening stories, your successes, your flops, your garden questions, your your ideas for getting rid of deer, your ideas for getting rid of Japanese beetles. Have you eaten Japanese beetles? What do they taste like? You could you could call us or write us. You could write to <laughs> you could call us. You could <laughs> shout. Yeah, Edith's number is seven two zero. You just got me thinking about all those. Horrible ground up Japanese beetles. You just okay. So you write to us. Oh, okay. At upside down tulips at gmail. Hey, how about or at our website at upside down tulips.com or check out the show notes. I really suggest checking out show notes. The mood is soft in the room. We're getting profound. It's time for an inspiration. This week's inspiration. Is probably from a tweet by Rabbit Quote Science Witch that she made at 2.30 p.m. June 1st, 2016. Every corpse on Mount Everest 
was once an extremely motivated person. <laughs> that is the worst inspiration I have ever heard. <laughs> I like it. It tells everybody to I just like calm down. To just calm down. Yes. Oh, because they're dead. They were extremely, calm down or die. Oh. They were extremely motivated people, and look what happened to them. And rich. You know how much it cost to hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff Bezos, take a hike. <laughs> that's wrong and first I'm we'd sorry, like to thank wrong. our new sponsor Amazon <laughs> <laughs> alright everybody okay. did you get some laughs I hope you got at least as half as many as we did and some value out of Upside Down Tulips this episode please do us a favor please share the show with a friend who might also appreciate it Thank you so much, Denise Gentilini, for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. If you would like to hear more of Denise's music, go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. Hey, a big thank you to our kind and talented friends and actors, Luann Buckstein and Chris Kendall. Thank you. And of course, a special thanks to our local nursery and friend of the show, Southwest Gardens. Join us next week, please, for our one-year anniversary celebration. Yay! Don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Upside down.